This is another episode of On the Grid by Z Prime. Love your energy. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Z Prime On the Grid. I am your host, Dylan Lockwood. Joining me is my co-host, Joyce Dooley. Joyce, how are you doing today? I'm doing really well, Dylan. Thank you so much. Happy to have you. Uh, we're also joined today by Ashkan Kian, founder of IEMS. Ashkan, welcome to the program. Thank you, uh, Dylan and Joyce. Thanks for having me today. We also have Douglas Shannon with SageWorks Energy Management Solutions. Douglas, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. And again, thank you both for having us. Looking forward to it. Ashkan, why don't you tell us a little bit about um, about IEMS and uh, yeah, tell, just tell us a little bit about the work you do. Sure, uh, with pleasure. Um, thank you, um, Dylan. Um, so IEMS, uh, first of all, uh, the name of the company stands for Intelligent Energy Management System. So IEMS stands for that, to make that clear. And um, um, it's about developing software as a service uh, for smart grid applications, numerous smart grid applications. And uh, it was founded in the summer of 2015 in, in Toronto, uh, Canada. Um, and I'm the founder and uh, the CEO. And uh, together with me, um, there are six uh, very intelligent engineers, data scientists, and software developers uh, who have put together a very nice uh, software uh, for for the projects that we currently have in Ontario, Canada, and uh, uh, six people as business developers um, in Canada and U.S. And Doug, why don't you tell us a bit about uh, your work at SageWorks? Yeah, we're we're a group of uh, consultants um, from many many backgrounds. We basically develop projects, uh, Durham-related projects. We develop financing uh, for those projects, and we invest in technologies that we discover along the way. Um, that's how I came across Ashcan and IEMS, and we are integrating them into some of our projects here in the U.S., and um, that, that's basically SageWorks in, in a nutshell. Uh, so Ashkan, what are some of the things happening in vehicle to grid technologies that excite you the most? Um, the, the the vehicle to grid technologies is um, interesting um, because um, it's been estimated or predicted that uh, within the next five years there's there are going to be about twenty million EV cars in US, and uh, that's going to change basically the the um, energy infrastructure, uh, because uh, you know, let's see that. Uh, assume that uh, within the next five years, in every neighborhood, um, in all the cities, the major cities in U.S. and Canada, there are going to be uh, between 20 to 50 EV cars, and um, they need infrastructure for basically charging um or discharging as vehicle to grid services and get paid for for their services so this is interesting uh and it creates uh, both uh, opportunities and challenges so the opportunities is of course reducing the greenhouse gases 
and uh, basically uh, driving uh, clean cars with no ga gasoline and uh, uh, cars are more efficient. It's going to be lay, uh, less maintenance fees for, for uh, EV cars than the regular cars that run on oil and gas. And um, so these are the good sides of it, you know, cleaner air and environment and less maintenance costs. Um, and then on the other hand, the challenges that the companies like IMS would like to tackle and solve are um, the infrastructure. Uh, because the pace of creating the infrastructure to handle the charging and discharging of these uh, so many cars in, in each neighborhood is a challenge for the utilities and for the third party investors who want to build and, and basically make money from the EV charging stations. And that's a big challenge. But companies like IEMS would like to uh, jump in and develop software solutions to go with the right hardware solution to basically uh, make this easier for the power utilities, uh, regional system operators and energy planners, and the third party investors investors of these EV charging stations at uh, different places, shopping centers, um, target stores, um, you know, name it, Home Depot, um, um, you, know, uh, you know, entertainment complexes where there are cinemas and, you know, restaurants and, and you name it. So this is what we are trying to do. And this is very exciting uh, uh, opportunity and problem uh, to tackle and, and solve for the society. What are some interesting things you see happening in vehicle to grid technologies? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a car fanatic, so I, I love to follow the car industry, and um, I, I think it's going to come along faster than even people think. If you take a look at even like Volkswagen, maybe the largest car manufacturer in the world right now, um, you know, shooting for goals of not developing gasoline engines beyond 2025. So you see where these targets are. Are getting closer and closer to us where there's just going to be a lot more deployment than than people even realize so it seems like it's off in the future but i think it's a lot closer than people think i think um, it's pretty cool because you're you're, you're going to hear the term aggregation and virtual power plants a lot and these are basically little mobile power plants that can be aggregated and and um, to be able to buy sell and move energy around the cars themselves become a part of that ecosystem and you know that's what people like ashken are, are spending you know a lot of time and energy figuring that out it's very it's very complicated but it does uh it, you know it excites me to see the future of the automobile industry coming i see it even in um we talk to semi manufacturers um even uh, last mile delivery vans you'll see it in amazon's commitments and in different companies uh like i said ford um, all, all the companies are, are going to be quickly converting transportation, and so infrastructure and software are going to are going to have to move quickly to allow it to all happen. Thank you so much, guys. I mean, I think that this is going to be um, a very interesting conversation today, um, and what a really great start. Um, so, I guess you know, Ashcan, in your opinion, you know, how should utilities best prepare for addressing current demand? Um, while investing in scalable solutions that lay the foundation uh, for the grid of the future? Um, thank you, Joyce. That's a great question. So, so if we consider the evolution of smart grids uh, as part of uh, future smart cities, 
we are going to have sustainable integrated microgrids. And each microgrid is going to have between 5 to 50 megawatt of uh, um, demand and corresponding energy, distributed energy resources, including solar PV, battery storage, maybe wind power and, um, and CHP systems, combined heat and power. And uh, so these microgrids and the buildings in them are going to be sustainable, meaning that they can generate uh, maybe as much as energy that the, the, the demand, uh, it's, it's been forecasted for those buildings and, and the microgrids. And maybe sometimes they have extra energy or they are short of energy to meet their real-time demand. And that's where the interconnect, interconnected microgrids and the transactive energy platform is going to help these microgrids to trade energy with each other and also with the uh, local utility and grid operator. And this is going to be the future of energy. Instead of uh, um, um, you know, building more of those big power plants that if there are a few hundred or a thousand miles away and you, we have to uh, basically transport their energy using uh, transmission lines for a few hundred miles uh, to the cities and, and, and uh, basically zones and, and, and neighborhoods, then these neighborhoods are going to be sustainable in the future. And that's the future of energy. And the utilities are changing business because of this um, new business plan and evolution of smart grids and smart cities. The way we see it, uh, regional system operators and power utilities, they, they have roadmaps to basically pilot several different microgrids with uh, a software for managing these distributed energy resources with predictive analytics, DERMS as DER management software, and a transactive energy platform for um, allowing these different uh, aggregators of buildings and, and, and solar uh, power and battery storage to be able to trade with each other and also help the utility. So uh, the, the, um, in short, the, the business uh, of the utilities is going to change based on the new paradigm and evolving smart uh, cities and smart grids. Uh, uh, that, that's what I'm seeing in uh, North America, in Europe, and also in the Middle East. Uh, uh, you know, UAE, uh, United Arab Emirates, is also one of the advanced countries in developing these um, sustainable smart microgrids. And uh, this is what I'm seeing. Fantastic. Thank you. And what about you, Doug? Um, you know, I could concur with Ashkan. I mean, he, he really you know, knows this stuff inside and out and really has, has laid that out. But it, it, you hear a lot of talk about smart cities and really you have to have infrastructure for smart city infrastructure first. And so this is kind of the basis of it all and finding a way for utilities and, and private investment to play together. Um, because, you know, we could finance and deploy the, the, the derms endlessly and that could disturb the grid. And so software that plays on both sides of the equation, let the utility um, you know, understand what's coming on or on, off the grid at, at any given time is, is really important stuff. So Doug, as more services and customer engagement becomes digitized, what role do things like security or smart contracts play in managing utilities moving forward? Obviously, security is going to be huge, and I think it, you know, 
I don't pretend to be the expert here on the phone in terms of security because there's a lot of people from the military to the government on down through the grid that are going to address this. But there's 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 IT and OT that um, you know are, are physically uh, managing physical assets and the software side of things. And then when you get into the transactive part of it, that's where Ashcan can talk um, about blockchain and, and its um, advantages when you start to deal in transactive energy. I'll, I'll leave that to uh, to Ashcan to go a little bit deeper deeper into that that area. But I think COVID nineteen really obviously everybody say exposed weaknesses everywhere, right? Logistics, but it it exposed weaknesses. Um, you know that people started to think about supply chain and, and energy in general. And I mean, a specific example is, you know, we've got cold storage facilities that you know not only supply restaurants but they supply hospitals. And, and so they're starting to realize, you know, from a security standpoint, if the grid was to get shut down, you know, what a logistical problem that could be, especially in these given times. And so, um, you know, that 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 is being addressed um, from the government on down. I've seen it in the military. You're going to see those um, kind of regulations and, and uh, specifications follow on down into industry. So blockchain um, is a platform that uh, uh, is a good candidate for transactive energy implementation. And uh, we all know that uh, blockchain comes with smart contracts. What is a smart contract? A smart contract is a software-based contract uh, uh, that you can code uh, with different programming languages. Uh, All the market rules, the transactive energy market rules that could uh, be different from uh, city to city, region to region, jurisdiction to jurisdiction, and country to country, um, uh, based on the rules, the market rules that they are going to practice for transactive energy. And that's the beauty about it, that you can always reprogram those smart contracts to uh, basically enforce new set of rules for that market. Um, if, you know, from time to time, that you learn something new and you see some glitches in the previous uh, rules of the market, then you can always change it and basically perform and implement the transactive energy by means of new smart contracts with new rules. So that's the beauty about it. With blockchain platform and smart contracts, um, we are able to create distributed autonomous transactive energy markets that allow several different uh, you know renewable energy resources with aggregators without aggregators to trade energy with each other and with the local utility grid which basically uh, uh, is going to be consistent with the uh, uh, recently um, basically published FERC order 2222 that would allow all of these DER resources uh, of 100 kilowatt and higher in size with aggregator and without aggregator to trade in uh, transactive energy market. So that's about blockchain and smart contract as good technologies and candidate for implementing transactive energy. Regarding the security, to some level, of course, the blockchain comes with cybersecurity and information security for the stakeholders and and. Uh, basically participants of this business network. And that's because of two things. Um, Each um, chain of data uh, that belongs to one of the peers, participants, uh, has a uh, a hash code. And that hash code is complicated to break. 
and so and only the participants uh, of that uh, you know business network or channel know know the hash code uh, so somebody from outside has to do a lot of computation um, and efforts to break the hash code to enter this chain of, of uh, data so that's for one so using hash codes and you can make them more complicated uh, and the trade-off is as you make them more complicated the computation time within the transactive energy goes upper but it's going to be more secure the other side of it is that uh, the blockchain technology platform allows you to encode um, on top of the hash code allows you to encode all the information regarding the amount of energy traded the price of energy the debit credit for each peer or participant can be encoded so that's like double security and besides that, a company like IEMS is working with another company based in Texas, um, you know, Mission Secure, that they, uh, their uh, basically uh, products and expertise is within cybersecurity uh, for several different applications, including um, energy and transactive energy. And that, that would add more security on top of the um, embedded security within blockchain, I would say. So for utilities to and prosumers of energy to easily trade energy using this platform. So where do you see the most value over the next few years? You know, do you see that at the integrated community level or do you really think that the digital and physical infrastructure is where it's at? A combination of all, because we need to educate, um, you know, and basically um, train uh, the right people uh, like the community, smart community developers, um, um, you know, developers who want to build sustainable, net zero sustainable buildings of the future, um, because that's the way to go to have more resilient and sustainable buildings with cybersecurity and energy efficiency that will also um, increase the reliability of the electrical system. And eventually we are going to see much better uh, reliability indices and we are going to see much less uh, brownouts and blackouts in the future if we go sustainable and integrated. So I'm all for, uh, you know, training and educating the, the builders, the developers of net zero sustainable uh, buildings and communities as part of smart cities. So that's for one. The other thing that you address in your question is, of course, the digital and physical infrastructure to make it happen. And that part requires the involvement of, uh, you know, uh, local grid operators, utility companies, local distribution companies um, to closely work with them uh, for basically develop, development and installation of the right uh, hardware and software. I can give you an example. Companies like SNC Electric um, are expert in developing, and, and Schneider Electric and SEL, there are a few companies, but the most uh, uh, basically famous ones in, in, in US include uh, SNC Electric and Schneider. So these companies uh, build microcontrollers, smart switches, smart relaying system that the utilities could utilize and use for the physical infrastructure. Companies like IEMS uh, basically develop software as a service in the cloud for monitoring and controlling of these microgrids and, and buildings. So working together with 
for example, IMS with SNC Electric, as you already are partner in a project in Ontario, is a very uh, nice and, and, and basically related project for smart grid implementation. Um, so we are working with them, then with a local utility company in Ontario. So that's a perfect combination because the utility company wants to utilize a big battery, a one megawatt battery in one of their feeders to be able to um, basically increase the reliability, use it for demand response and peak shaving and several other objectives that they have in mind. And SNC Electric as a hardware switchgear provider and IMS as a software provider, we, we have teamed up to help um, Energy Plus Utility in Ontario with that battery storage control. And I, as you can see, um, all, we, all together we are providing the uh, both physical infrastructure and the, the digital infrastructure to make it happen and basically take advantage of that battery storage and utilize it in, in the most efficient way for the utility and, of course, its customers. Great. Thank you so much. And Doug, you know, where do you think the value lies? Is that in the community sector or is that um, in the digital and visible infrastructure? You know, right off the bat, you're going to see investors gravitate to the digital because it, it, it scales quicker, you know, because they'll pick off the low hanging fruit where they'll aggregate and, and do things like demand response. And, and that does help the grid. And it is, you know, you can scale digital faster than you can build a microgrid at a time or a derm at a time or install these assets. Um, but but you do eventually run out of runway there and you will have to physically um, install um, assets. So um, I think it's, you know, when you say community, I, I think community development and I think about jobs and I, I really feel like this sector is going to explode over the next 10 years. I work with people that have been in the industry for 10, 20, 30 plus years, and everybody agrees that the market forces and the you know government support and communities in general and in the age of our infrastructure that after working in the business for all these decades, they're like, now finally they see that there's a market for these technologies. Some of them have been around, um, some of them are new to market, but right now there's it, they're all coming together and I think it creates um, jobs and potential growth for our country for the next for the next 10 years. And so that for the communities, you're, you're going to put people to work and you're going to, you know, companies are going to be busy installing this stuff. So software comes quickly and you don't, you know, maybe feel it as much. And then the physical deployment of these assets over the next five and 10 years, even including the EV that you talked about, are really going to really going to help drive the economy and drive jobs and drive, uh, you know, community development, believe it or not, you know, now whether the, the rules there between, you know, when you start talking about community sharing of power and stuff that that's going to have to be worked out. That's not fully, fully there yet on regulation and working together with the utilities and working together with state by state regulations. But uh, that's my, my feeling in the progression. So Ashkan, um, how do you, do you see uh, AI being integrated into into data data management at all? Yes, I agree that um, AI is is the um, is the is the most pioneer uh, technology uh, so far. I've seen in 2019 started 2019 going forward 2020 and also going forward to 2021 and beyond because 
with AI and data science, we can do a lot of things, uh, create knowledge from the, 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 the raw data, from the meters, from the IoT sensors, and that's, that's valuable. So, uh, for example, I can, uh, you know, there is a cable company, a European cable company that they also operate in US, and they had a project uh, presented to audience like me in a conference that uh, together with MathWorks, um, the, you know, the owner of the MATLAB software, um, basically they developed, the MathWorks team developed AI algorithms and used the uh, data collection from the cable company and um, base, basically they could reduce the failure rate of the cables, underground cables, where you cannot monitor as well as the overhead lines, you know, using cameras and stuff or some other, you know, temperature. So it's, it's harder and more costly to monitor cables than uh, overhead wires, but with these uh, AI algorithms that uh, were generated, based on the uh, meter data from the cable sensors and meter data, they could predict uh, and maintain uh, those cables before something happens. So uh, they clearly showed us as case studies that they reduced the failure rate of the cables. And of course they reduced the black brownout and blackout for, for part of uh, the, the network that they were using these cables and these technologies. So that's one good example. And I can tell you that the utilities like Duke Energy and National Grid, um, now they're focused uh, uh, on, on using AI. As a matter of fact, um, I heard from one of the directors, vice presidents at Duke Energy that um, Duke Energy has a department um, of uh, AI that uh, has about 50 or 60 data sciences working for them, working on several different aspects of uh, utilizing AI for the future of energy. And that's amazing. And it shows how important it is and uh, why um, um, these big utilities are investing in it heavily with human resources and software uh, to go with it. And this is what we are also doing using AI algorithms for predictive analytics, for load forecast, solar PV forecast, wind forecast, to better manage the power flow in the grids and also um, AI-based asset management to reduce costs and increase reliability for power utilities. Yeah, I, I think it's it's possible immediately. So that that's one thing that's unique about it. It, it, it is, to me, I always call it like portfolio management or asset management. And, you know, it isn't like you're spending $25 million on the microgrid and then figuring out the ROI and you're not spending $25 million on Ashkin software. You're installing it as a SaaS piece. So you're paying by the month. And this, this is all software, right? you know, for the most part. And, and so in that first month, there isn't this huge upfront. It's as you go. And he can show savings. You know, it's always this spectrum, right? So it's an asset management for a utility. And he said just there, you know, even on wires, something is as quick on a return as, as, as the physical wires. And then, you know, it, it, years down the road, you know, you start to do predictive analytics and, and it helps them with derm management. And then five years down the road, you know, it, it helps you AI and this kind of software helps you with, you know, this EV and vehicle to grid and grid to vehicle and, and the transactive. And, and so that is a, a trade-off, I think, when anybody looks at this stuff is, you know, what, what does it help me with in the first month and how does it help me uh, with, with my roadmap over the next five years? 
And I, I think, so it, it, it is a complex analysis, but I, I do think you can show value immediately. Thank you so much. Um, really great perspectives, guys. So um, Doug, I'll ask you first, you know, do you feel that, uh, I think you even touched on this a little bit too, but um, that as utilities continue to incorporate renewables into their grids, that there's some kind of maybe reactionary building going on versus strategic expansion um, or development? I, I won't pretend to be uh, inside the minds of a board, board of directors at the utility. I wish I was. I wish they would let us sit in a little bit. We do talk to some people who can who consult with them. Um, I, I feel for them because part of the reactionary is people are building them, you know, behind the meter or whatever. So it goes on every day. And so something on, comes online to them every day. And so they they by nature it is reactionary in some sense and then they have their own planning of their own deployment of these assets but i do think there's a crossroads there and we're working i won't name the companies but even with ashcan's group um uh, and some utilities where they want to see what our pipeline looks like of these assets and they're interested in participating in, in buying them or being investment partners with them and i think that could give them a better view into their roadmap. Um, one thing about that's really nice about AI and, and software is you can do predictive stuff without actually having to build it, right? So you can sort of um, model what what um, these derms would look like in different areas, and you could target uh, them for deployment. And then, you know, I do believe there's a there is a way for utilities and investment and project developers to come together and, you know, be able to uh, um, participate as they as they want to in, into the future. And in that, uh, you know, the software does that. It, it does help predict what it looks like if you add this derm or these derms as they come on. And I, I think that's a pretty important model for utilities to kind of take a, you know, modeling exercise, should I say, to, to participate in. But yeah, I, I don't envy the job. <laughs> because it, it is coming from all directions and it is organic. Oh, wow. and, yeah. So, yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> very complicated. Ashkin, I'm, I'm certain that you have something to add to this. Um, so from your perspective, you know, do you feel that there's reactionary building or um, is there a little bit more strategic planning going on? Um, I, um, so I think it's a combination of both, but uh, mostly reactionary because I think some of the utilities and uh, regional system operators are not yet ready for these uh, massive uh, integration of renewable energy resources and EV cars. So some of them are like, you know, like Duke Energy. I mean, um, I've seen, I've talked to them, Southern California Edison, they're already planning for it and they have pilot projects, ISO in Canada, Ontario. But some of the utilities and system operators are not ready. And because of that, that's more of reaction to, okay, uh, something happened, how do I rea react to it? Somebody wants to connect to my feeder, okay, what do I do about it? Uh, but some of the utilities are taking, you know, long-term planning and roadmaps, and I love that. And uh, so we have seen both. Uh, but we have to be we have to help these regional system operators and utilities to go from reactionary planning and action and basically operate operating towards uh, you know more 
um, you know, thoughtful plan, uh, you know, strategic roadmaps and executing uh, uh, executing uh, pilot and proof of concept and pilot projects uh, until they're comfortable with the right solution. That's what I think. Doug, what role do third-party investments or funding play in helping utilities shape or create their smart grids? And what recommendations do you have for meaningful development in this area? Wow. Yeah, big, big, big question. Great question. I mean, because it goes clear out to smart cities, right? And to, you know, how how do you do such a thing? And it, it's been difficult around the world when you look at people that tried to do like a complete smart city within within that city. It's been, you know, there's tons of examples. I won't name names for the, but that's a. But as as private investment, all we can do is that there are customers who want these options. And so we can do a proposal and a design for them based on their needs. And we can present them with three financing packages. And we can go to the utility and say, do you want to invest in this? And so they're, um, you know, the investors are oftentimes willing to do the upfront work, make a little bit of money and pass it off to someone, some portfolio holder. And I guess the utility, depending on their strategy, can decide, you know, whether they want to be that long-term holder of of that asset. And there are, um, you know, they, they can just evaluate it from that standpoint. Um, but yeah, master planning is um, very difficult. You know, I'm doing it with some cities, but then as the city looks to the region and the region to the country, you know, that that's a different story. So I, I do hope that, uh, you know, the government does um, start to do some guidance. And I do think you'll see some, um, you know, it, it will morph. Technology moves fast. And, um, you know, I give great credit to, you know, let's, let's face it, like companies like even Tesla, you know, just driving the battery revolution or driving the car thing, you know, just forced it, forced it to happen and forced everybody to move. And some parts of the market will just do that. You know, the innovators, like like Ashcan, you know, will go out and they will prove that you can do transactive energy, and then the market will have to catch up. And um, so I, I think, you know, <laughs> it's going to keep going. The the forces are going to keep going in that direction. And um, all we can, all private investment can do is just, um, you know, present present the options for people to participate some some sectors utility system operators are, are moving faster some slower but eventually everybody will hop on that uh, moving forward train <laughs> that's what i i agree with that so we are we are moving in that direction and uh, some some uh, move with a faster pace uh, with plans some react for now but then eventually everybody is going to uh, basically hop on that, you know, technology train for the future of energy. That's that's my guess. Okay, cool. Yeah. So, Ashton and Doug, it was uh, so great to have you join us today. Um, you shared a bunch of really great insights with us and talked about some really heavy hitting topics. Um, again, I'm sure we could have had more, uh, more and more discussions, um, but. You know, are there any final thoughts you'd like to share with us? Sure. Uh, thank you, Joyce and Dylan, first of all, for having us today and this uh, really nice interactive discussion about 
future of energy and smart grids and smart cities. Um, so I'm grateful. Thank you. And um, I I really hope for the for a better 2021 for everybody. You know, Canada Canadians, Americans, uh, uh, the whole world. Uh, you know, post-pandemic with, uh, you know, uh, a better health for everybody and also being able to do business as usual and, and pushing forward these uh, great projects for, you know, sustainable uh, societies with clean energy and more efficient uh, energy grids. Uh, that's my hope and wish. <laughs> Thank you. It sounds like a really great hope and wish. And Deb? Yeah, again, as Ashkan said, I, I want to thank you for having us on here. Um, it's always fun to talk about the future. Um, you know, it'd be great to see you folks again, talk to you three years, five years, and 10 years, because I think it's going to be an amazing decade. Um, everybody in the technology space would tell you that the two hot topics are, are medicine and energy. And I think they're both going to, you know, help transform 2021. And then in the next decade, so you're going to see a lot of changes come, and I, I think it's really, it's really going to be exciting. It's an, you know, Z Prime and what you guys are talking about. This space is a, is a really hot space, and um, it's it's really going to be fun to watch the changes. You're going to get to see the future. Um, you, you know, when you look back at, uh, you know, 100 years ago, what 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 changed in the country, and and then we've had sort of a stable you know, infrastructure for the last, let's call it 100 years. And I think um, you're living in a time where you're gonna see that really evolve to electric cars running around and, and virtual power plants. And, um, you know, uh, I think Porsche is working on an electric flying car. So, you know, when you talk, here we go. <laughs> so get, get ready for the Jetsons, you know. Yeah, thank you both. For, thank you both for that. I I, I love the Jetsons. Um, <laughs> so I'm I'm excited for that. Um, and Joyce, thanks for um, being here for this for this discussion. Yeah, absolutely, Dylan. Anytime. To our listeners, you can find our research and media at zprime.com. You can find us on social media at DY Lockwood, at J.E. Dooley, and at zprime underscore research. My name is Dylan, and we'll see you all next time.